1: All right, guys, so welcome to another episode of the Imperfect Perfect podcast, and today we've got another fellow Brit, and I'm actually really loving this series because this past week alone, I've been getting a lot of British people, although this guy, I believe you are a Southerner, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so we've got a Northerner a Southerner on it. So what I do, as I do each week, I'm just going to run down a brief bio, and we're going to get straight into this interview, guys. So... Akshay Kumar, born and raised in East London, first exposure to the stage came at 11 years old as a result of his mother's concern over his painfully shy nature, and so enrolled him in classes at a local stage school. He was first cast as Don John in Much Ado About Nothing as part of the Shakespeare Schools Festival. He quickly went on to work with the National Youth Theatre and began building professional screen credits with roles in ITV's Lewis and BBC's Silent Witness. Wow, that's taking me back now. At 18, he yeah. had a place on the BA acting course at the Drama Centre London, that summary also landed the role of ASF in the BBC2 miniseries White Heat and was approached by United Agents mid-production. Subsequently, he signed with United Agents one week prior to starting at the Drama Centre. His final year at the Drama Centre proved to be a busy one, securing his first lead role as a quiet tech savage genius cam in Unstoppable Entertainment's teen party film Legacy. Shortly after, he played Nicky via to Ray Panthakis' Jay Veer in a romantic comedy, One Crazy Thing, followed by the role of Roshan in ITV's The Suspicions of Dr. Wisha, Beyond the Pale, alongside Paddy Considine. A month before graduation, Akshay was cast as Rahim in season four of the Emmy-winning US show, One of My Favourites, Homeland, starring Claire Danes, Mandy Pikinson, Rupert Friend, and his first Hollywood feature film credit came in the form of a small but essential role in Michael Apted's Unlocked, starring Orlando Bloom, John Malkovich, and Michael Douglas. Since then, he's gone on to work between British and American film, including starring in Star Wars The Last Jedi, hit series Pandora, which I want to talk about a little bit later, as well as a handful of short and independent films, some of which is co-produced. So first and <laughs> foremost, mate, welcome to the show. That is a bio,
2: mate.
1: <laughs> 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 you said you <laughs> from being shy. <laughs> You've done some good. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's
2: yeah that was that was the start of it man I, uh, I think she was scared that I because I, I was I was uh, about to go into high school and I was one of those kids that was always like very happy in my own company um, and I think it stuck to worry her when I was like well you're not going to make friends in high school we should probably get your confidence levels up or your social skills because i I hadn't done um, yeah. so I think that's that's, all, that's how it started yeah it was, a, it, was a, it was a weird one but no, I'm very very thankful that that's what yeah. she.
1: So, so I suppose, let, let's take it back. Your mum thought you were shy in that. You went into acting school. Everybody always thinks because they see highlight reels, and this is like attesting to the campaign. A lot of people perceive actors and everyone to be extroverts. So as you've grown, have you become more extroverted, or have you still carried that notion of being an introvert, especially in lockdown? Are you enjoying this time on your own?
2: I, I very much did so, especially the first lockdown. I, I had a, a great time by myself. Um, the second one was a bit harder because I just got back from Bulgaria and I had my two-week quarantine. And then, literally, the weekend that my quarantine was up, and I was meant to get like cracking with work and stuff, we went into this tier system lockdown, and London was in the very high, so we basically just carried on lockdown. But yeah, no, I, I am. Yeah, I, I still consider myself an introvert. I think, I think that's part of why I, I've managed to survive thus far um, because being extroverted i find is it's very sort of energy consuming maybe that's just me because i'm lazy but um it wasn't until i like didn't work for a year and a half when i was about 25 and i had to work in i worked in a few pubs and a few sort of um, fast food restaurants like in central london and I, it forced me to become sociable it forced me to deal with customers and to to uh Take shit from people. Sorry, I might swear. I swear quite a bit. Um, and uh, feel free to swear with me to make me feel better. Um, and yeah, from from that, I think that was a real turning point for me actually. Because from then on, I I, I was able to to turn an extrovert version of me on when I need to. Um, so be honest on a set um, or you know in in a, in a sort of business setting or whatever, then I can sort of turn that on. But my default is definitely. Highly, highly introvert, and uh, I think my parents—they're uh, okay with it. Thankfully, they're cool with it. They know I'm, there's nothing wrong with me. I just—I'm I, I, very happy, sort of, by myself a lot of the time. Causes a uh, life partner is a bit of a problem sometimes, but that's fine. They get over it. So, is your mum—is yeah. your mum
1: surprised at like all the success from acting? To go well, those paid off, didn't they? The acting classes.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think I owe, i probably owe her a new house or something. Uh, but no. Um, no, I think, I mean, so she, my mum actually sort of did all the uh, Laban diplomas when she was in high school up until when she got married. So she wanted to be an actress um, or at least be in performing arts. Um, but my grandma, my mum's my side of the family is very academic. Um, doctors, lawyers, work for NGOs and charities and pilots. So my grandma, I think, vetoed that decision for her to become an actress quite quickly. And So I think from my mum's, what she said, she lives very vicariously through me. Um, so no pressure or anything. <laughs> but um uh, but no I think it's it's definitely made um my support system very strong. Um I think that's getting onto the whole mental health section you know as we will that's a huge part of uh, my uh success um you know is is the support system I have behind me uh, who have been unfaltering for the past 27 years. So thanks mum and dad. <laughs> and <laughs> simply I if, if, if we go into
1: that aspect of things, going into something to literally come out of your shell that your mum put you in, to then be thrust in and see that you're actually you're exploring it, you're loving it, and then it comes into fruition. What was mm. that like navigating and realizing, oh, I can make this into a career? And then the mental health comes with it when you actually realize that it's not all we see and we pretend to be on TV screens. There's a lot
2: of work behind the scenes sure yeah and i think that's where you know the glitz the 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 idea of the glitz and glamour of especially being a screen actor goes out the window pretty quick the moment you step onto a film set and you feel completely you're in over your head um you're typically the youngest on set you're the least experienced especially for the first few years and you're just terrified all the time of putting foot wrong um and you're terrified of you know i i when i the problem is when i when i go into sort of extrovert mode and I get really comfortable in a situation. um, I tend to like cause trouble um, because I, I get too comfortable and I say the wrong things and I burn bridges and and, you know, I've had to, I've learned that the hard way a few times and I go on like ego trips and I have to, the come down after an ego trip is always the most sort of enlightening part of section of of my life. So I've had one or two in in the last few years and um, have had to really been again by my family brought down to earth to be like listen get your shit together <laughs> but focus on the work yeah british it's um do that mate british
1: people can pull your back down really quick
2: <laughs> yeah no we're, we're, they're good at that they're really good at that um but yeah i think because i i know it's not me and i know i've i'm riding a wave that i know is going to crash so sometimes i try and make the most of it in the wrong sort of way mm. i don't know if that makes sense but um yeah um no, it's 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 really. I mean, drum school in the middle of all that as well. Especially in the first few years of my career, was that was I mean, a rite of passage. That was the what's the word baptism by fire if there ever was one. Drum center is notoriously uh, traumatic because we do twelve hour days over three years, you know, six days a week. Wow. And you know, I, I actually fell out of love with acting, believe it or not, because it's, you're you're taught to eat, live, breathe, shit, acting. And you know, I, it, it's you forget that there's an outside world. and You forget why you're doing. it. You just do it because now it's you're just conditioned to do it on, you know, on command. Yeah. But that was probably mentally, that was the toughest time of my life. I probably didn't make it easier for myself by going straight from like high school to sixth form to drama school. A lot of people take a few years off before they get out of the institutionalized mindset, and then they can throw themselves back in with like a new appreciation. I was just like. I was very sort of rebellious and I resented every moment of it but um, I learned a lot I broke down a lot I fell apart I wanted to quit I wanted to call it a day completely and then I made you know I luckily made it to the other end and um, you know not that it's been all rosy since I left you know there's been long periods of time where I've had huge doubts that you know did I just get lucky with, with Homeland obviously being my first job out of drama school was, was that it was that going to be the my career high and was it just I'm just going to fall apart am I am I going to end up doing a a a part-time job that turns into a day job that turns into my career and I was terrified of all those scenarios and they'd keep me up at night (laughs) Um, they'd keep me up at night and um yeah it was um you know that but that's our career I think that's what you sign up for when you're when you're doing anything creative not just being an actor I think directing writing you have to love the job even when it's not loving you and it's really hard sometimes because you, know, you, you have dreams and you have things that you want to get on with your life. But the only thing, and this probably isn't healthy, and this is part of the issues I've had with mental health, is that I, for a long time, relied solely on acting, giving me a sense of purpose and joy. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something about film sets. You know, theatre does it to a degree, but that's quite a new revelation for me um, to find joy on stage again. But that was, you know, film sets is the happiest. That's like, that's that's Nirvana for me, regardless of like the size of the job or who's in it or what it is or what I'm doing, you know. But then to the, the problem with that is when you are not working, which is a lot of the time, most of the time, actually, you're miserable. You're, you're fucking miserable. <laughs> and it's not a way to live. It really isn't because your life doesn't progress outside of your work. And I think what I've started to do recently is to begin to marry the two together um through no you know no part of mine like just life sort of happens and you you have to adapt but now i'm coming to a place i think where i'm a bit where it's a bit more of a balanced thing i can find joy outside of my work and yeah. just look forward to working because it's fun as opposed to my life depends on it
1: see i didn't even i, I didn't realize that you was in like drama school for like 12 hours a day that's yeah yeah
2: <laughs> so i uh, so the Drama Centre and Oxford School of Drama are the only two in the UK, as far as I know, that do crazy ass hours like that. Um, we have like I mean, your,
1: your, your triple, like singing, dancing, acting, continuous. Or wow,
2: yeah, yeah, and then and then movement, and then you've got sort of like specialist acting style classes, like clowns or animal studies, or the Drama Centre has a, a um, its own brand of methodology of acting which is which comes from a combination of Stanislavski's you know foundational work you've got a lot of Rudolf Laban in there from the movement side of things and then you've got Carl Jung the the psychologist who worked with Freud like hand in hand Um, so it's a very it's a very intellectual way of approaching it and I was terrible at it I was really bad at it that was probably the most important class in the whole in the whole uh, curriculum but I was that was my worst class so that would keep me up at night as well knowing that you know that the drama teachers have, you know, no, no, no. This is no, not to poo-poo on them, but everyone thinks that their class is the most important class. And if you're running around and there's 12 different teachers in 12 different classes, and you're trying to please everybody because everyone's trying to convince you that theirs is the be-all and end-all, and if you don't get this, you're never going to make it. So that's a that's a whole pressure in itself. It's it's outrageous. <laughs> it's outrageous.
1: What I've learned through this campaign and getting to know a lot of you guys in the entertainment industry. I always say to people, I've never wanted to be in it, but what I've learned is just like, whoa!
2: <laughs> yeah, like, Don't the bullet, bro. <laughs> you a bullet. Yeah, so,
1: uh, it's- I, I was speaking to another a British um, lady the other day, Gemma o- Oton. So she got um she was in Emmerdale for years. You'll know Emmerdale, obviously. Nice. Um, yeah, good, yeah. And she and she said when she went to drama school, not only was there the performance anxiety is well on top and then everything else and then bullying starts when people get roles and they don't get roles and I don't think people realize that what goes in hand in hand so did you ever encounter any of that and you had a support system with your family but did you ever talk about it in a in a group if there's anyone out there at the minute going through very similar
2: circumstances yeah i think there's always it's it's like a grown up version of high school in that, you know cliques are formed um, it was harder in, at Drum Centre because they have smaller smaller year groups. There's only like 16 people in in your in your year, whereas most other drum schools it's 20 to 25, maybe 30. So it's like a full class. But yeah, it's uh, you know, from what I remember, um, there was a sort of elitism that formed, and um, based on like, I don't I don't know. I guess it's like teachers can't help but choose favourites, you know. And then that feeds the egos, you know. We're young, aspiring, ambitious. Hungry actors, you know, we, we take, we take praise where we can, and we run with it. That's what we do when we're in our, like <laughs> early twenties. But, um, you yeah, know, it definitely, I, I was bottom of the rung. I was, I was pitted as, as, as the worst in my year. Um, so being the youngest and the worst really like ruined, it ruins my outlook on, on the work and on the craft. I just, I, I feel like I was just miles behind everybody and everybody was better than me. I was never going to make it out of here, even though I had my agent, you know, I just kind of, I was made to feel like I was on un, undeserving of, of my agent. Uh, so it was, it was harsh. Yeah. And you know, that's, that's, that's sort of a general brush stroke, but I got a lot of that from the teachers as well. Um, and it, it was awful. Yeah. But I, I, I think if I was older when I got there, I, if I, if I'd started at 21, then I probably would have handled it much better, but I would be, you know, three years behind in my career from where I am now. So, it happened for a reason, and um, yeah. I survived it. I see it as a as a bit of a a, a voluntary prison sentence, let's say. Um, <laughs> that's that's how I see my drama school experience. I know it's not very uh, it's not very comforting for a lot of people out there, but um, that's just me personally. What what I went through.
1: Well, well, I suppose. my I always say, when I had to jump on construction to get this international for three months, I stood there with a hose. Oh man! it <laughs> could dust. Do... And everyone's like, how did you do it? I was like, I think for me, it was more of a mental game, like going, okay, if I can do this, I can do anything. So you went <laughs> through that, mate. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, bloody hell. But yeah. Yeah. we obviously, we tested for a reason. But then to go from that and to gain something like Homeland, which in itself is is one of my favorite shows, to be honest with you, not just because you're on the, the podcast, mate. <laughs> Claire Dane. <laughs> Amazing actress. Amazing. Um, the first season of that was just blown away. Um, yeah. But to go from where you were to be thrust into such a, a large-scale show, and then kind of, in a sense, the American market, how did you navigate that? Because that on top is
2: just a whole... Oh, man. oh man. I was I was just overwhelmed. Um, positively, for the most part. Um Obviously, you know, this, the budget of Homelands and shows like Homeland are ridiculous. Um, so you're, you're whisked away. I was, in South, I was in and out of South Africa for six months, I think. Mm. Um, was flying on, like, business and, on you know, just all these ridiculous things that a 21-year-old should not really experience at that age. Mm. It's too good. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, once I got, all, got over that, you know, you just sort of... Luckily, Drama Centre was only, like, was, you know, it only just finished for me. So all of that training, all that work ethic was still instilled in me, and the process of translating that skill set into a f- film environment and and homeland specific set environment was really tricky. Um, when I look back at it, I cringe at how terrible I was, but that's part of it too. You know, retrospect is a, key, a huge part. But um, yeah, it was difficult. I was really overwhelmed. You know, when you share a, a makeup truck with Claire Danes is sitting in the chair next to you, and you're just losing your fucking mind. You just want to ask her like a million questions, but she she's she's so nice, and I know her character is incredibly sort of intimidating and sort of uh, a difficult um, character. But she is the nicest person uh, when she is not being Carrie the character. Yeah. Um, so to to sort of see people you admire, sort of, and you know, you know these people aren't their characters when they're so damn convincing and you're next to them and their niceness completely throws you off. Yeah. Um, and when Mandy Patinkin was singing Sondheim um, on another day and I'm just sitting there listening like a kid at Christmas staring at Santa Claus, it was, fucking, it was madness, man. It was madness. But yeah. Yeah. Luckily the scenes that I did and the, the character I played, we, the, um, we were all quite young. There were three or four of us. We were all like early twenties. Um, one of the guys was the lead from Life of Pi <laughs> Yasuo yes. sure, Sharma yeah. who's a wonderful guy really you know really for someone who'd only done really just Life of Pi it was, it was so sort of so calm and I think I took a lot from him because I'm like I don't need to run around and meet crazy drama centre madman anymore yeah that's not going to translate here so you know you don't have it's not like when you're a drama centre or oh, drama school you, it's kind of like a case of showing your work like you have to show them that you've done the work you just you can do that privately in your hotel room or in your trailer and then you just turn up and you just have a good time. So, you know, taking in the calmness of everyone around me and like people weren't running around crying and breaking things like I was at Drama Centre <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I, I broke a few mirrors, badly mirrors. Yeah, That's bad. Um, but yeah, um, <laughs> they were, yeah, that was bad. But no, just that you know, sense of calm that everyone had and comfort and assuredness they had in their own ability was... After a couple, after maybe on my second visit when I got out there again, I kind of made a point to be like, okay, you're in control of this. You know, you're open, you're, you're a very generous actor. You, you take things, you can run with them, you're impulsive. Bring all that stuff that you know, that you know you can do because this is, all, this is all built for this character. So yeah, it was intimidating. And there were moments where like there's a cast dinner and everyone's there and the studio execs are there and the producers are there and you just have to pinch yourself and be like, where would I rather be right now? Would I rather be in drama school? You know, I don't think so. <laughs> so it's just, I think gratitude is a huge part of getting through yeah. um, difficult, overwhelming experiences is just remembering like, where else would you rather be right now? So of... I remember on Pandora. Oh, go on, sorry, mate. Oh no, just I was going to just jumping forward to Pandora, but we'll, we can circle back to that. Just that, that, because that was a job in that we, you know, was during lockdown when no one else I knew was working and to know that I had a job, you know, during lockdown, I've never been more grateful for a job in my life. Let's just say that, <laughs> yeah. and I would never take a job for granted again. Let's also say that. So, yeah. Anyway, well, you were saying, buddy. My bad.
1: So I'll just jump into that one uh, quickly, and then Pandora, because that was the, my next one. But question that just popped in my head that I always love to kind of think about now, because of personal development and everything. Do you think going from the drama school where it's like anxiety ridden built up pressurized because everyone's trying to in a sense compete for the same thing. And there's all this external pressure to go for something next to Claire Danes and these established actors that have been there. Was there a sense where you suddenly just went, I don't need to compete. Look, these guys are just, they own who they are. They've gone into their truth. And now was there a tick in there? It fascinates me with the psychology of people that when you're around people and you start picking things up and you go, there's a difference between that and that. And I've noticed it a lot in the entertainment industry on and outside. I'm like, yeah. when people are seemingly trying to get somewhere and everyone's on a journey, it's all this this angst and it's all this, I can't tell so-and-so and I da-da-da. But the most successful yeah. people, you kind of, what, what's that commonality that they've all just got this sense of,
2: Whew. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a it's definitely a groundedness um, a sense of being rooted to to your self which um, you know in drama center in drama schools so I keep singling out drama center like they're like the devil but they're not <laughs> That's what it's common for all drama schools um, yeah it is a, it's a rat race it's a gold rush it's everyone it's it's yes we're an ensemble we're a class we're a team we're a year group but we all know we're in it to win it you know most of us you know we think we are anyway um so yeah there is no time to sort of be introspective or to um think about like who you are because you're too busy trying to be other characters so for years that was i not that i i don't have a much better sense of my true self now but i'm definitely more grounded as a person and that wasn't something that people were interested in at that time purely i think because they were so caught up with you know getting to the end getting to the end getting to third year getting an agent getting on a, getting on a set or getting on the stage it was all end gaming. And I'm terrible at that. I, I'm always end gaming. I've only recently sort of developed patience as a tool for sanity. <laughs> but um, yeah, at the time you don't really have, you don't have that retrospect. You don't have the maturity and you don't have the resilience that you think you have. So I think resilience is a huge thing that drama school can't teach you. You can't teach you to be resilient once you, once you leave. And resilience is, you know, key. It's key to mental health. It has, it's key to my mental health anyway. And I, again, um, yeah, it's it's a really rough ride. Um, but if you survive it, it does it does pay off. Does that answer your question? Everyone's am sure it does. <laughs> it does. It does. But then I'm, not, forward I'm forward. not even sure. I just I just keep monologuing every time you ask me one question. I give you like a sixty-page answer. My God, sorry.
1: It's interesting. It people a perspective of what, like in the in that industry and everything. Because I have so many people in the entertainment industry who are trying to make it over here listening. And they always send me questions afterwards and go, oh, well, I was going to ho- go to Hollywood and my agent here told me this and this. And even though I'm on an external point of view, I'm going, I know enough people now to know it's not as e- easy as sometimes agents say it is in certain countries because they're not in that country. And it's, it's. so for people, hmm. hey, you you keep rolling it out. <laughs>
0: <But> <laughs> so
1: so, Pandora, so you say you are very fortunate, whilst everyone else is in lockdown, to be working. Tell us about the new series.
2: So, Pandora season two, uh, basically, uh, if, if if people have seen season one, uh, it's basically it's a it's a sci-fi. I want to say it was, and season one was at least like a t- sci-fi teen drama. It was pitched as sort of a cross between. Star Trek in Riverdale um, so the Starfleet Academy across with the teen drama of Riverdale um, with the overall umbrella dark shadow of the universe is going to end and it's down to one one woman to save it <laughs> so that you couldn't get more sci-fi if you tried. <laughs> um, so, so that was season one um, and season two is basically picking up where they left off. Uh, interestingly my character I auditioned for Pandora last, last year June for a guest role on episode six. So I was like halfway through the season. I had maybe four or five scenes um, where my character basically just causes a lot of trouble. He's a, he's a real obnoxious, arrogant pretender. Uh, he wants to be one of the cool kids. He's done his best to lie his way into but he's actually from a very poor family and doesn't have the stuff that cool rich kids have. So that was sort of his 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 episode arc was almost like an entire character arc. Um, and then, yeah, it's... I didn't know how it went because I didn't see it for months because it was in the US. And then I got a call, um, I got an email soon after I got back from the showrunner, Mark A. Altman. And he had told me he said that he loved he'd seen the rushes of the of the, the episode. He loved my work. And if the, if they got a season two, he'd love to have me back for a couple more apps. I was like, ah, cool, that'd be fun. Obviously, at the time it's Hollywood, you don't take anyone's word for gospel and everyone. That I had learned by that point. So I was like, yeah, okay, cool. And then October rolled around um, and they'd finished and they just got greenlit. i read on like deadline that they got greenlit for season two. And I was like, oh, congrats, Mark, on season two. Hope it goes well. And then he wrote the best email back ever. He was like, he was he was like, I hope you know I wasn't bullshitting you. I'm not one of those Hollywood producers that says I want you back when I don't. I want you back. So let's make this happen. Let's get contracts together and stuff. That was like the long short of that email. And I was just like, oh wow, this guy's a messing around. Okay. So fast forward to feb i'd just come off a play and um this, this really amazing play it's my first time on stage in like seven, since i left drama school and it went really well It was a sort of small two-week run but it sort of changed my life in a way yeah it did in terms of as an actor anyway and then uh yeah and then lockdown happened then pandora happened so i came back i am back as a series regular so i'm in all of the episodes so going from forced in one episode last year to Every episode this year was was quite a leap. And um, yeah, so my character sort of evolved. His name's Jet, spelt with two T's. Um, apparently because he runs really fast, as we would established in season one. Um, I run quite fast. So, <laughs> so we did this really cool stunt sequence. And I think that's what stood out to them. We did this like, it was, you know, like in, I think it's Cocktail, uh, Tom Cruise like skids into shot, like into this hallway and then runs down it. So I, I did that. And apparently went down a treat. So I was known for that skid, um, that slide.
1: Um, and yeah, so
2: this year, Jet sort of evolved. Yeah, he's still sort of like the key thing for me was that he um, didn't come back as a brand new character. He still had to have a bit of that obnoxious assholiness that sort of made him stand out in the first season. But he's trying to be better. Um, he's He's gone through some some trauma um, quite um uh, Fitting for this for this talk, he's gone through personal tragedies. He's dealt with them. He's been expelled from the from the academy. He's begged and pleaded to be back because he wants to be a better person. And you know he's doing his best in the only way that Jet knows how, which is to constantly put his foot in his mouth. (laughs) But it's almost it's almost I hope anyway that it's uh, endearing as well as sort of aggravating. So that's that's what that was the line I was trying to go for. Yeah, I mean. So episode uh, seven airs tonight in the U S so Sunday night on CW and so far it's been going pretty well. Um, I've, I've never had more fun on a job than I have with this one and I've never been more grateful for a job. So maybe the two, one fed the other, I don't know. But I think the nicest thing was that was a, that was a common denominator between all of us actors on that job and the crew as well, because not only did we rely on it financially, but sort of creatively and spiritually and, emotionally relied on this job getting done. So you sort of, anytime something flares up in terms of some sort of politics on set or something someone's not happy about with another cast member, or there's, there's, there's beef, there's tension. I had those moments too. And I had to just tell myself like, what would I rather be doing? Would I rather be sitting in London in lockdown or would I be out in Bulgaria, like doing the job I love? And there's a little niggling, suddenly that problem you had is just this tiny little speck of nothingness in the grand scheme of life <laughs> to get very grand for a second there. So yeah, no, it's an incredible job. Um, you know, it was low budget. We They did so well. We, we shot for three months and we didn't have a single positive COVID case in three months, which is nuts with 120 man crew and cast um, and people flying in from London, from the U S from other parts of Bulgaria, from other parts of Europe. And it was, you know, it was a real, it was a real treat. Honestly, man, I'm, I'm grateful for every, bloody day like regardless of how the show does i don't care i really don't care i would love to get a season three but that's that's out of my hands i i i left my mark on this character and i i i had i i found a sense of liberation in, in in myself and 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 my acting that i'd never had before and i don't know where it came from i think it came from the play because i had to play two very contrasting characters in the play but the fact that I was able to carry that forward and just let, let loose, like just go nuts. The only thing I can compare it to from what I've heard is when, this is not me comparing myself to Heath Ledger. I love Heath Ledger and I know you're an Australian. If I say I'm like Heath Ledger, I will cause a riot. <laughs> I'm not going to say that, but I love him. He's, my, he's been my idol since day one. Um, when, Chris, when he was doing The Joker, Chris Nolan talked about he got to a place of such, of such ownership of the character of his own work that nothing he did was wrong. So, on a smaller scale, a much smaller scale, I felt something like that. <laughs> so, I'm very grateful and I'm just trying to ride that wave as long as I can before it comes crashing down and I think I'm shit again. So, um, as it was, inevitably. You the same
1: not, not about the, the shit thing, but from where you were younger, when you said that you got external things saying you were the worst in class to, to where you are now, do you watch back your performances? Because you, you mentioned, I think it was Homeland and it was like, oh, I was shitting that. So did you internalize that a lot and pull yourself down to now be more grounded? And can you watch yourself back and go, actually, I can see myself progressing each time and I'm good with it? Yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. I think that's, that's the wonder of, of retrospect. And as long as I'm, you know, you sort of boil it down to the simplest formula that you can or like rule to live right? As long as I'm better than I was on the last job, Cool. It doesn't matter by how much, as long as I discovered something new. I tried something new on this character that I wasn't brave enough to do before. But yeah, like it's sort of like it's a bit like ah, oh, bless. He tried, <laughs> you know. Or when I watched Homeland back, I was like, <laughs> like, like it's a different person. But it was. It's it's just a version that's seven years younger than I am now, and way less experience in life and sets and technically with cameras and lights and and blocking and stuff. But I've discovered a truth to performances that I that I couldn't even find it through the drama school. So wherever the fuck it came from, I'm just very happy it's turned up at this time because it's sort of, again, just I'm writing it as long as I can. But yeah, retrospect is, is key. And I have watched myself sort of progress in tiny bits and then make maybe a leap here from this job to this job. I'm like, Oh, well that's okay. That's something to put a pin in and yeah. to think about what happened in this period where I made this, 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 this sort of evolution. And there are, there are a couple of key moments. Um, and each of them have sort of springboarded me to the next step. And, um, yeah, it's it's cute. It's cringy, but it's cute and it's good to do, you but know? I,
1: I, anyway, what what would you say back to that person in drama school now? If there's anyone listening, I know it's the cheesiest question ever that everyone always says, yeah. but, yeah, for anyone listening out there that might be at that place you were and thinking internally they're the worst person, what I'd mm-hmm from your personal experience, would you give to yourself and that person?
2: Honestly, that people grow at different rates, actors especially, because you have to grow as a human in order to grow as an actor. You can't grow as an actor, be be stunted as a human. So you have to go through, you don't learn anything from going through like a perfectly charmed life. Nothing really happens. Nothing really changes. You're quite content all the time. So you, it's not like you have to, actively seek to put yourself through some shit in order to grow but it's it's about rolling with rolling with punches i think and also drama drama schools are not the be on an end or if you don't get an agent at the end of third year it's not game over and i think a lot of people struggle with that because they end game so hard for like the show the first show and then you've got the showcase and you've got the spring show then you've got the summer show and if you don't have an agent by then you feel like well, what have i spent three years doing it's really not the case um I know it's traumatizing. I know it seems like the thing that people are working for for three years. They work so hard, and you know, of course, everyone appreciates that. But not getting an agent <clears throat> at the end of third year does not define the rest of your life or the rest of your career. Yeah, because I've started to trust that there is a right time to make for things to change. You know, for example, just to sort of selfishly indulge in something quite new in my life at the minute, in terms of going up a level in, in my career i have been pestering i had been pestering my agent for years about getting a u.s manager which i'd seen lots of people around me people i worked with all had them and they seemed to be doing amazing obviously completely on the service. like you know like you said it's the things in between how hard they worked. and I, every time she told me oh love you're not quite ready yet up until like you know a few months ago she was like oh you're not quite ready yet and i'd go home and like kick up a stink and be really petulant and you know get angry and vent to my parents or my, my girlfriend whichever girlfriend that was at the time and then um, and just be like well I'm you know they don't believe in me but I got back from Pandora and the first thing I did was ask her I said hey how, how are you feeling about managers and she was like yep yeah, sounds good I'll set up a whole bunch of meetings for you so I literally spent Monday to Friday of this week uh, doing meetings with incredible incredible people that I'd never met before and honestly again retrospect being key here if I had tried to do this by myself even a year ago, I would have crashed and burned by now. It would have not have done what it needs to do, but everything happens as long as you stay committed to the work and purity of intention is really important for me behind why you're doing what you're doing because you can't go wrong. Really. If your heart's in it, you're willing to take hits along the way, which you inevitably will. If you're doing anything creative, you're going to get way more no's than you get. yeses, you know, and you have to build a resilience and, a, and you know, despite all the no's, that that your the deepest of your core you need to know that you're you're good or you're better than good or that you're willing to be better you know if if you take a few hits and then you call it a day then you were never meant to do this and that's harsh but it happens all the time it happens yeah. all the time. It may still happen to me. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know.
1: I don't know. You seem you seem pretty grounded in everything that you're doing. And I think that what you said about your, your manager there, the stuff that I've learned along my journey with all this is like it literally is you sometimes have to surrender and trust in the process. And when things don't happen at the right time, you've got to believe that it's divine time and something will come better along. And I think it's just right. surrendering is the hardest thing for anybody because we're so we like, oh, it's not happening now. And then I actually learn as well. The more we push, we tend to push it away as well. So it's kind of relaxed. Absolutely. But the, the big question, mate, is what does being imperfectly perfect mean to you?
2: <laughs> oh, man. I should have thought about this before. <laughs> what, is it, what does being imperfectly perfect mean to me? <sighs> Am I allowed to take a minute? Is that okay? I think you kind of just said it. I think it is, it's, a, it's a sense of surrender in a way. It's a surrender to everything that you are in this moment because you're exactly the way you're meant to be as far as I'm concerned in this moment. This is a version of you that is imperfect but it's perfect for this moment you know and you you have absolute permission and absolute control we have free will after all to decide how to look at yourself and this takes self-awareness which takes time and maturity and all those things and really bad experiences a lot of the time to look at yourself and accept before you go looking for I'm really logging out this dance, by the way <laughs> I'm just gonna, just gonna get Before you go looking for love in someone else like I mean You have to acknowledge everything about you the good the bad the ugly We're we're, we're, we're three-dimensional four-dimensional ten-dimensional human beings. We have so many versions of ourselves that are all imperfect in in their own right But we fit together perfectly And it forms who we are and I think if we ground ourselves in the self-love of Yeah, I'm not perfect. I'm not striving to be perfect That's not the end game here, you know? So that's, I guess, the longer version of what imperfectly perfect means to me, I think. there's no. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course it makes
1: sense. There's no right or wrong. I said at the beginning of it, it, it's true. It's just owning who we are. Like, I think the imperfections come in the perfect moments. We are perfect. Like, so perfect, mate, I'll say. So last question for you. What are you working on currently? I know you're working with several managers. What's in the pipeline for you, and uh, where can people find out more information about
2: you? Oh goodness! Um, so in terms of pipeline, I've just been luckily the industry starting to pick up again in the US and stuff. So I've been doing a lot of a lot of tapes recently, which is, you know, really fun. Actually, way more fun than it's ever been. Um, so I'm doing a lot of tapes. I have I, I'm going to be meeting I think a few more managers. We're going to be making my agent and I are going to be making some decisions. Uh, from tomorrow about who we're going with and who and it's all very hush-hush it's kind of fun Um, and then we'll take from there and then honestly um, we should know if Pandora is gonna get us getting get greenlit for season three in the next couple weeks after the season finishes so fingers crossed that all happens so if anyone has access to the CW that would be very I'd be very grateful if you watch it (laughs) you don't have to watch season one if you don't want to it's kind of like it's kind of like a repiloting it is sort of like it's it's sort of an own it's an own show in its own right um and in terms of where you can find out more about me oh god is this where i do the whole instagram thing (laughs) 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 okay it's It's kind of oh god it's kind of complicated um uh, so if you are on instagram i'm at call me Shay, spelt c-h-e I believe that's right. And there's a an, call. Sorry, let me start again. On Instagram, you can find me at, at callme.shay, C H E underscore. Or you can type in my name and you have to sift through a bunch of Bollywood actor fan profiles. And then you'll, you'll probably find me. So
1: <laughs> it was that's a discussion for now. I, I did notice that because I, um, I, I went to your Instagram, then I went to uh, Google. Yeah, mm. and there's so much between. There's, there's another Akshay Kumar. And then I put the chain, sure is, yeah. and then it was IMDB, and then there was still another yeah. guy, and I'm like, oh, well, mate, he's, yeah. he's, he's a big name as well, so you're in good company.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, I had, a, I had a chat with my one of these managers I met, and he said, uh, oh, um, well, I guess we've got to knock him off the top of the list. I was like, yeah, sure, let's go for it. You know, one <laughs> of my life goals, but, you know, competition with oneself, not with someone else, so...
1: Exactly. Well, amazing. mate, And I appreciate you uh, for getting behind the campaign, coming on and sharing your story with us. But I will put all the links here, guys. So for anybody to find out more information about Akshay, just head to the website, head to all the Imperfectly Perfect campaign socials. We'll put all them up. But um, yeah, guys, until next time, simply head to Spotify or High Art Radio where you can listen to this episode and all of our latest episodes. I just want to thank you again, Ashkay. And actually, see, I can't even speak now.
2: It's the end of a podcast. (laughs) But uh, yeah, mate, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Likewise, buddy. Thanks a lot.
0: To find out more about the Imperfectly Perfect Campaign and how you can get involved, simply head to our official website at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org or email us today at info at to speak to one of the team. The Imperfectly Perfect Campaign is creating awareness and is not a substitute for professional advice. Should you need help, please refer to your nearest crisis number.